Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. Faye Akaro, good morning. Good morning, Ray. How are you today? Oh, well, I'm getting better now that I've got the weather right. I'm looking looking at a weather report and I'm reading uh, Friday weather, actually. So I've just uh, got rid of that so that won't happen again to the next... Uh, Friday's person. weather was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Shall we go back to yesterday? <laughs> yes, I'm just getting rid of that so no one else can make that make that error. Look, um, thanking the clever and witty Alan Simons. He uh, flew solo this morning and did it expertly, as uh, as Alan does. And Bev Daring is on the line at the moment, 94841927. And when our researcher, John Glidden is uh, chomping on the bit out the back. Let's give him some jobs to do. Now, you can also email your questions by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au and thanking Jim Crinan as well. And you'll catch Jim Crinan again next Saturday morning at 10 to 8 for his segment on cycling, his cycling segment. And also he'll be on at 10 a.m. with his uh, music, 10 to 12. And Ray, I heard a a rumour that you have a new toy? I have an e-bike. Woohoo! I do. I went and picked it up last weekend and uh, very, very happy with it. Yes, yeah, so now I've got to sell my older bike that's not so old. Uh, beautiful bike and I'd, I'd really like to keep it, but I won't. I'll, oh, you I'll... could put it in the garden and plant uh, up the basket <laughs> and grow vines up it. Not my style. <laughs> but, yeah, so, no, I have an e-bike and I have to say uh, it just makes life so much easier and so I can go cycling uh, past my cycling opponent and they're struggling to get up the hill and I just go zip straight past ah. them and that's just has yeah. your opponent got an e-bike as well no no they do not they're doing <laughs> it the hard go. way yeah so I just sort of overtake them and uh, wave on the way past yeah it's brilliant so no really really good for someone with like me that's got had two full knee replacements and I still have some you know I have pain issues and so uh, I have inflammatory arthritis, so there's always ongoing trouble. And this is just a great way of moving. Uh, and you can you can go and hard or as soft as you like. You know, you can choose how hard you're working. And if you have to have a little rest, you've got support there. And if I you think don't, it's a great idea. They're great. Yeah, I'm surprised. You get on them, and it's, you get a bit of a surprise when you first jump on one, actually, because you yeah, just sort <laughs> it's of funny, zoof, isn't yeah, it? you could be left behind, and you don't realise what they're like, like a little you know, a bit of a motorbike, but uh, they're controlled and the speeds are controlled and they generally have five levels. And uh, I've uh, really, really surprisingly enjoyed it. Yeah, so highly recommend. And how's your garden looking this week? Not too bad, not too bad. The grasshoppers are having a field day. Oh, I am, and they're doing some serious damage and ruining some of my lovely green foliage, which, you know, some of my plants are there for their foliage. And if they've got dirty great holes through them, it's... uh, 
you know, I'm far from impressed. And I know there's other things having, you know, absolutely annihilating a few things. I have plectanthrus and, of course, that does, yeah, that can be very difficult at times. And that's been taken out by something. So I'm trying to bring that back. I've cut it all back again and... Uh, yeah, so I've got, yeah, I've got, you know, there's a bit of action in my garden, but it is, it is looking nice. I, I looked at it out of the corner of my eye the other day and I thought, yeah, I can see how it's maturing and growing and there's, there's colour and interest and it's going to be um, a really lovely garden when it matures. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I must say I have started my lactobacillus serum. I've got my, You've I've got two some? lots. No, no, it takes time. So I've got my rice wash yeah. sitting on the bench uh, Sunday night I started that first one and then last night we had rice again. Yeah. So I've got a second one going. It's taking so long. Yeah, yeah. I must get cracking on that too so that I can report along with you about mm. the benefits of it and how we how we go. All right, we're talking about, oh, a person and trees in a hurry. Dallas, sorry, we're chat- chatting away. <laughs> Morning, Dallas. How you going, girls? Good, good. Next door to my place, there's a persimmon's tree, and it bears fruit. And when I look at it at the moment, it looks like it's got died back. Not died back. It looks like it's nearly dead. Do they actually fall off all the leaves and that before they fruit, or what? Well, they they're deciduous. I'm pretty sure the foliage should turn a beautiful yellow, but. Dallas, I don't know all that much about persimmons. So because John's sitting out there, I'm going to give him the task of doing a bit of homework on it. So how old would the tree be? Oh, years old. Because um, I think it was last year or the year before. It might have been the year before. But when I look at it at, through my bathroom window, I thought, gee, it looks like it's, it dies, it's dying off or something. It's dropping it's all, all its leaves. There's no leaves on the damn thing. If, and it's a real spindly looking thing at the moment. So ha- thought, well, did the leaves okay, change okay. colour? Hang on one minute. Hang on, I'll go out and look in the window. Hang on. Oh, 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 oh. It'd be hard to see if there's no leaves on it, though. No, I'm just looking out the bathroom window in a second. Hang on. <laughs> this is good live, radio. It's live radio, yeah. <laughs> so, John, while we're waiting, um, if you can find out anything on personal trees. Hang on, I'll go out the window. Wait a minute. I, I understand they're a tree that have beautiful autumn colour mm. and yeah. um, yeah. the fruits are lovely and orange. Hang on a minute. So at 8.30, we're chatting with Cynthia Mahoney about... Marnie. Mahani? Marnie. Marnie. Oh, that's how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay, from the Open Gardens West Coast. We're obviously very lucky that the Perth Garden Festival has been postponed till this week coming. Aren't we lucky? I thought it might have been cancelled with the COVID lockdown last week. Uh, so Hello. everyone was holding their breath, Yeah. Hello. At the moment, it's not, not any leaves on it. It's a very, very few scungy look at it, but it's all twigs and stuff at the moment. All right. Dallas, if you can keep listening, we'll get a um, a report in from John all about yep. persimmon trees for you. Yep. All right. Thanks very much. Thanks, well. Dallas. Okay. Cheers. And we're going to Philomena in Girraween talking about a poinciana tree. Philomena, morning. good morning. Hi there. <laughs> I said hi there, ladies. Hi, Philomena. Good morning. How I, can we help you today? Um, I just know who am I talking to. Uh, that, this is uh, Faye. Faye, hi, Faye. 
Uh, I just like to know. Um, you know, I've got a tree in a pot which I bought from a nursery, and basically, I've just been saying. Um, I won't go into too many details. Don't bring up the shy. Don't do this. I want to put it out into the garden, front garden, right? And it's a tree that has uh, a canopy because it's just one trunk and has a beautiful canopy. Don't compare it to the uh, to the uh, what's the what's the, the trees that you get here that has purple flowers? Jacaranda. That's right. So that's totally out of the picture. I just need to do that. Um, um, how do you, you know? How do you go about? Um, if I want to put it in the ground, I can put it in the ground, isn't it? Do you know anything about Ponciano? Oh, they're an amazing flowers? tree, beautiful, beautiful foliage and lovely yeah. reddish orange flowers. Mm. That's right. The, I mean, you have one chance to prepare the soil, Philomena. So dig a big, big hole and prepare it as best you can. So. Girawine, uh, probably sandy soil, so clay and compost, uh, manure, and something like a, a bio bio juice, something that'll really get the ground going. But they're a warm, loving tree, so oh, I'm not sure if it might be. We rather describe it as a. How do you say a, a summer summer kind of? How do you describe a plant that says it loves the tropical weather? It's a tropical That's tree. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm. So, so basically, just put it in and. Well, I think the best time to do it would be springtime because if you get any frosts or it is exposed, it will suffer you know, over the yeah, winter I'm months. I'm just saying, babe, the trees and plants know exactly where it hasn't went to pop. There. <laughs> I've come lost somebody here. I won't go into too many details. Now, on another topic, we don't, I won't take up a whole short time. No, Philomena, uh, we have to carry on, love, so we'll be moving on. No, no, talk about the composting. Suddenly I've got uh, passion wine growing, right? So basically I just saw the passion wine's taken over and it's taken over and, you know, gone up, creeped up into the, uh, the uh, lavapple tree. So basically, just leave it the way it is. That's what it's hard. I remember around. talking yeah. to you about your passion fruit vine a few months yeah. ago, and yes, yeah. perfect to to have it's it growing sweet. up a tree. Um, the only thing is that they are not long lived, and so you therefore, must, once it gets up into the tree, taking the vine down later yeah. can yeah. interfere with the tree somewhat. But I must yeah. compliment you <laughs> when you talk about the bees. It's very true. I basically find there are beautiful bees around. You yes. know, bees didn't have thank, thank you for your call this morning, Philomena. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Have a Thank you. Bye, Philomena. Okay, we're in Midland talking about an air fern. Katie, hi. Hi, how are you? Good, Good Katie. Thank you. Now, I've given a handful of air fern but I don't know what to do with it. Do I have to wet it before I put it up in the tree or what do I do? Oh, okay. When you say air fern, is it grey and whiskery, old man's yeah. beard? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Love it. You can you can dunk it into water, dunk it into a seaweed solution that's been watered down, hang it up and just give it a mist every now and then. So when you're watering your pot plants, give it a spray. Yeah, and I found I that a um, couple of times a week, is enough to keep it growing, but they love the humidity. So if you've got it growing over a pond that's in the ground or even over a a bowl that's filled with water, um, with water plants growing in it, they love no, it. No, I haven't got none of that. Okay. 
So can I just put it in a tree somewhere and just keep spraying it all? Yes. But it, if it is too dry, it won't do well. It really oh, right. loves humidity. So even if you've got bromeliads underneath that have hold are holding water, that yeah. will help with the humidity. All right. I'll see what I can do. Okay. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Katie. Program. Thank Thanks, you. Katie. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye for now. Okay, and as I was mentioning earlier, at half past eight, we are chatting with Cynthia Marnie. Marnie, thank you, from the Open Gardens West Coast Scheme. And we are chatting about the Perth Garden Festival coming up this week, thankfully, from the 6th of 9th to May. So it's great that that is still going ahead. It will be better than ever. And at five past nine, we're chatting to the compost queen, Jo Bussell. We're talking about International Compost Awareness Week. And I was watching Gardening Australia last night and they were touching on that as well. Did you, sure did, you have, did you have a watch last night? I did and then I went straight to bed after Ray. I had mm. been in the garden all day and I just fell into bed last night and slept for eight hours until the alarm went off this morning. Did you just straight through? Did you? Out, <laughs> out like a out light. Out to the count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Now we will be giving away our gorgeous $75 voucher from Bigger Trees as well today. And you've brought me in some lovely flowers to talk about and we may get time for a song and I know we've got some emails to get through so yeah it's been a, it's been a nice week and I think we're all over the little blip and we're going in the right direction oh, again I think it's I love okay. those blips I could do with one of those a month. I could live in a blip <laughs> let me tell you I could live in a blip I'm quite happy um, when I know that I am out of all commitments <laughs> <laughs> that I could stay home and do whatever I need to do, whether it's just chill out. You know, see, I, I can work and function very well from home and I actually prefer it from the perspective of focus and getting the job done. But I've been really busy this week, you know, so, yeah, I, I don't, it's not like it's a, a rest for me. Mm. I still I still work, but it's just easier for me, yeah. Well, it's, it is for a lot of people yeah. taking the pressure off. Yeah. And I, I just got out there and I did what Eva said. Last weekend we talked to Eva about lawns, Mm. so I got out there this week and I raked my lawn. I filled up a green bin with leaves, Mm. Ray, all the horrid gum leaves. you gave it a good tickle. Oh, for sure. And then I found all the little gum nuts on the lawn, like the tiny little ones, Mm. and rabbit droppings, like, there go, guys. Anyway, so I then mowed and I fertilised and I checked my sprinklers and the lawn is looking amazing. So 100 square metre lawn, and as Eva said, I used one ice cream container to do that whole lawn. So it's just a light... A light tickle, yes, as you would say. Yeah. Mm. Oh, very good. All right, nine four eight four one nine two seven. Back in a moment. Curtain Radio. It's twenty one minutes after eight. You are listening to Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Let's find out what you've been doing in your garden this mm-hmm. week, and, and, and certainly through that little short brief lockdown, whether you've got any extra gardening chores done. I did. I moved a pile of sawdust as well. So I've got pathways now where mm. I never had pathways. Right. Good. I've headed into the bush and I've booked a burn with the volunteer fire brigade. Mm. So I, I was going to do 100 metres by about 20 metres mm. um, of daggy bush. And I wandered in there because, as you know, I'm talking next weekend at the Garden Festival yes. about a home for everyone and everything in its place. And mm. I looked at this patch of bush that's all very weedy and thinking you know about how it would burn and and what value that could have 
And then I saw a bearded dragon come down the trunk of the tree mm. and I stood dead still and I watched it and I watched the tufts of grass move and then I watched it move on. And I thought, now if I get closer, because I can get really close to them, but I don't want to frighten it. I stood there videoing for five minutes mm. and in the end it came within a metre of me. It came closer. And then I was able to move in and get photos and more video and I actually got within six inches of it and watched its little mouth going as if it was talking to me. And then I saw an ant carrying another ant up a tree, which they do. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, you, you look at, an area that is weedy, the grass is dying, it's brown, and you think to yourself, There's oh, nothing happening there's here. There's nothing happening. And there is. But then there's all these things that are happening there, and, and some insects will take pieces of that, that grass that's hollow and they'll build a nest or a home with it, or mm. they'll, it, birds will build a nest with it. But others, caterpillars, will turn it into a home, a cocoon mm. that they'll carry around with them. Mm. And others, praying mantis, will camouflage in it. Mm. And then bearded dragons will hunt in it. Yeah. It's so just, it's fascinating. Take another look. Take Every, another look. Everywhere is a home for something mm. and they all depend on us. Let's not stuff it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well now, said. Now, John has come back with some information on persimmons. And they commonly are grown in Japan. They've been recorded as having grown in that country since the 8th century. So it's a very ancient plant. John told us that part of this plant, which is part of the ebony family, is known for its exceptionally hard black wood that was once used in making piano keys. Amazing, right? So how interesting is that? I'm glad I got him to find out more about <laughs> these trees for us. It's a highly decorative tree, yeah. semi-weeping habit, and the foliage is often used by florists in arrangements. Mm. In autumn, it is a blaze of colour of oranges, reds and yellows as the foliage changes. And yes, it is deciduous and can reach a height of seven metres. Now, it's very early autumn, so I would have thought you would notice to... the change mm, before all mm. the leaves drop. But yeah. there you go. It is deciduous. Yeah, okay. Thank you for that. That's all right. Shall I continue? Yes, I think so. Let's let's crack through a few, now, shall we? Did I speak about bromeliads last week? Fran from Greenwood asked about um when the plants flower is at the end of their life no i don't think you do okay so she asked do i pull out the flower head or do i leave it alone hoping the pups appear so there's a couple of different types of bromeliads some have tiny little flowers down in the well and once the plant has flowered the the older plant will most likely die off over time uh other plants have tall stems and the flowers are varied and just so beautiful. Yes. In fact, I, w I took a couple of photos yesterday of one that had extremely large bracts and the details are just oh so beautiful. Exquisite, right? They yeah. are. So yes, you can remove the spent flower stem and then just let the plant die down on its own accord, in which time it will put out pups most likely. Some are more prolific than others. Some will produce three or four every year. So they're really good value. Um, and just enjoy them. So yeah. 
Thank do you God. think that I should give away the Bigger Trees voucher? What do you Excellent think? Excellent idea. I can see free lines. Yes, okay, perfect so, time. So if our listeners would like to participate, you need to be a Curtin FM member, not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Okay, and this is a $75 voucher from the lovely Carrie Sprig up at Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook. And our question is, what type of plants would you be growing if you had gold-dusted, ruby-dusted and or diamond-dusted varieties? What type of plant are we talking about? Gold-dusted, ruby-dusted and or diamond-dusted varieties? This is quite an easy one and I suspect some of our older gardeners will know this answer. They won't have to go rush off and Google it. I think they'll know the answer already. So bigger trees, the uh, specials of frangipani's fruit and ornamental trees. And I'm told there is some wonderful autumnal plants on display right now. So if you get the opportunity to head up there, do so. Do yourself a favour. Everything up there your little gardening heart could desire. Give Bev a call now, 94841927. Okay, $75 voucher. Yahoo. I could do a bit of damage with that. Oh, couldn't we? (laughs) In fact, I found gaps in my garden this weekend, this week. That need filling. Yeah. I sure did. And I had time to get out and investigate. Now, the chilli thrips... Mm -hmm. They've slowed down a little bit, Mm. but I was out there with the magnifying glass and Mm. I deconstructed some rose blooms and I actually think I got photos of a normal thrip and a chilli thrip. So I took the time to (laughs) take, well, declutter my fridge and the top shelf had a few specimens from my garden ray. So I took them into the ag department this week and I'm awaiting results of... of They must love you, the department of ag. They must I think love you. they probably now roll Here their she eyes comes and go, again. Oh, now yeah, what she got? They are car yeah. <laughs> But you know, my one of the things that I discovered about the chili thrip was that it may also be on citrus. So I went mm. looking at the new growth on my citrus, and there's a lot of evidence of the citrus leaf miner. They seem really bad this year, mm. but normally the leaves are just curled, but they tend to stay green. Some of my leaves had actually gone brown and the oh, just the leaf margins were very wrinkled and I found evidence of something else which is said to be an exotic pest. So um, hmm. it, was, it was quite interesting. It looked almost scale-like and if you've ever seen the nymph of a plant hopper, they're also called fuzzy bums and they have this big <laughs> spray of like like a shuttlecock or like feathers coming out the back end. They're very cute. I'll have to get you some more photos, right? You will. But that was what it looked like. So I'm I'm not sure if it's a plant hopper or some sort of Mm. scale thing, but the the evidence looked different and my citrus leaves on one particular plant looked a lot worse than they have other years. So you're a bit more suspicious. Yeah, get out there and and have a close look with the magnifying glass, Mm. everyone. And Mm. well, I think I think uh, roses are recovering. A little bit. I know mm. some of mine are, and they are trying to produce buds, and they are popping out flowers. They're not a good quality flower. No. You know, it's been damaged, but they are trying, and some of my roses are doing better than others, but they are they are getting on with it. They're, they're yep. moving on. The poor things have been under such a t- attack. Yeah. And, you know, four years ago, we had the potato tomato salad, yeah. and that was rampant across Perth. Mm. And initially, other... 
good bugs weren't aware of what it was. So mm. it was left alone. Here mm. we are four years later. We hardly ever mention we, it. We hardly ever hear mm. about it. So mm. give give the good guys time to catch up yeah. and um, chances are it'll all get into balance before yeah, too soon, long. I hope so. Okay, mm. now we were talking about the Perth Garden Festival coming up this week and we have Cynthia online from Open Gardens West Coast uh, to talk us through about what they're up to there, actually, as well. Cynthia, good morning. You're with Ray and Faye. Hi, Ray and Faye. Good morning. Hi, Hi Cynthia. How lucky are we that they've rescheduled the yeah. Garden Festival? Oh, absolutely, Faye. I mean, it was devastating last week because uh, yeah. we were so excited because this is the first time ever that Open Gardens West Coast has ever had a, a display garden. Yes. Wow. And how did that come about? Well, we've teamed up with um, the landscape industry and um, LAWA and um, the students from uh, TAFE, I think they're called Next Gen, uh, will be using this garden um, building experience as part of their training for their horticultural um, um, studies. So we're very excited about it. So Lisa Hall, um, the senior lecturer, uh, landscape lecturer from um, TAFE, will be supervising them. And because it's sort of um, been messed about with COVID and um, this is a new experience for us, it'll be a simple garden. But um, the theme of the garden is called Through the Garden Gates with Open Gardens. And we've borrowed the most beautiful um, iron gates from a member and um, so, yeah, students will um, have a wonderful time, I think. We're really looking forward to it. It sounds like a wonderful opportunity for the students to get to some practical experience yes. and to share that with, with the public. Absolutely. And we're hoping uh, that we're going to be able to do this each year as part of our um, charity work that we're involved with. Right. So, um, you know, anything garden orientated, um, it, it's great for everybody, really. And Cynthia, do you know how many display gardens there's going to be this year at the Perth Garden Festival off the top of your head? Um, there'd probably be close to a dozen. I oh, think. wow. We, That's great. Yeah, when you go through the main gates, turn right and boom, there we are, all the display gardens in a row. And has the, the extra time meant that there's less pressure? Um, not really because it's going to be raining. Um, so hopefully it's only light showers um, for the beginning of the opening. Rain um, won't worry gardeners. No, they all yeah. turned up at John's a couple of weeks ago with their raincoats right. and umbrellas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was great fun. So um, look, I, I just think it's a wonderful experience for these um, students to be able to be involved in this and um, we're excited for them. Oh, that's that's great news, Cynthia. And what else is coming up on the Open Gardens calendar? Um, well, we're still working through it, but um, we've pretty much got our program sort of up to date now and it'll probably be going up on the website fairly soon. So if people click on to what's on, um, don't be disheartened if it's not all there at the moment. Just keep looking because we have got lots of beautiful gardens for this year. So there's a members event coming up to Kingsley Dixon's garden, uh, a bus trip. Is that still, are there still tickets available for that? Yes, there are still a few. I'm not quite sure um, how many is left, but I know that it's well and truly over 
uh, three quarters full. So I, I'm on that one. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, I noticed your name, Ray. That's yeah, great. can't wait. So can yeah. people still become members and get themselves a ticket on that bus? Absolutely. Absolutely they can. And um, anybody that's going, I would suggest that they wear uh, comfortable walking shoes, take a raincoat or an umbrella, yep. um, a fold-up chair, because it is a chilly garden. Um, you know, it's lots of shade there, so you'd need a, a jacket as well this time of the year. But um, there'll be tours sort of through the, the bush part Autumn the in the forest. Doesn't yeah. that sound divine? Yes, and Kingsley assured me that all the maples are out in full colour. It'll oh, be absolutely magnificent. I may have a heart attack, yeah, no. <laughs> It'd be a good place to die, actually. I'd be quite happy. Yeah, yes, no, no, it's a great trip. I've been down there several times now, and yeah. every time I've been, it's been different. Different, yes, I can yeah, imagine. Yeah, so it is really lovely. But, uh, yeah, that's the benefit of being a member. If you um, yes. can go to different um, places and just for members, it's a great, great time for everyone. Wonderful. All right, thanks for your time today, Cynthia, and look forward to seeing you at the festival next weekend. Absolutely. I'll be on Thursday afternoon on the gate, so I hope we see lots of gardeners there. I'm sure you will. Thank you very much and go well. Take care. Thank you. Cheers for that. Bye, Bye for now. I am definitely looking forward to that. I think a lot of people were holding their breaths, weren't they, with regard to the Perth Garden Festival? Oh, yeah, unbelievable. I know. <laughs> you, yeah. uh, you know, in a normal year... There's a lot of effort that goes in to, you know, packing up their nurseries and running their own businesses, but also manning a second stall. Yeah. And now it's coupled Enormous with Mother's Day. So that's, yeah, it is extra pressure. Yeah. I hope the time in between to get the display gardens it's up has given them a bit them more of an edge. enabled them to tweak things a bit and, uh, yeah, catch their breath. I think mm. so. So, no, don't. Uh, if you can, get along, do so, and uh, support the gardening industry. I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think it's going to be absolutely spectacular. Mm. And, Ray, I wonder what's happening out there today. I've heard that it's um, – what day is it? First of May. Oh, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. International Nude Gardening Day? Yes, you look overdressed. So do you. <laughs> that's the only I can way remedy it's that. <laughs> yes, that's right. International Nude Gardening Day. Yes. So we do you... normally see on uh, the gardening Facebook pages, we see some very interesting sites, don't we? We and do. And I always remember you saying some things cannot be unseen. Oh, and no. that always stays in my mind when I'm looking. Yes. Yeah, so just just be warned, folks. If you go onto Facebook today, you could be. Um, yeah. I personally haven't been involved in it. I know, was it last year John, John did? John's involved. John, our research. He likes to get his gear off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we saw a side of him we've not seen before. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> All right. We've got a call coming in from Rosemary about the persimmon tree. So let's uh, see what's happening. Rosemary, hi. Hi. Um, Good day to both of you. I just wanted to find out. I've got two persimmon trees in pots. They're about a metre high. Um, They've lost all their leaves. I don't know, do I leave those out in the elements to get all the rain or do I take them, say, under the eaves and just water them once a week? Or how, how do I treat the deciduous trees? Rosemary, I think you just put them out in the garden. There's certainly a tree that will grow to about seven metres and they grow out in the open. Uh, 
I'm not sure how they will go long term in a pot because mm-hmm. being a large tree, they would have a large root system. Although these days with care, you could certainly have just about anything growing in a pot. Um, mm. But certainly out in the open, you, you don't need to nurture or look after these trees in a big way. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. All right. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. 94841927. Nine, I'm not aware of anyone uh, actually winning the competition as yet. I might repeat that question for you. What type of plants would you be growing if you had gold dusted, ruby dusted or diamond dusted varieties? What type of plant would that be? Uh, and give Bev a call, 94841927, if you would like to win a fabulous $75 gift voucher from Kerry at Bigger Trees up in Pickering Brook. Mm. Okay, what's next? Uh, oh, now John has said, can we please ask listeners not to put emoji characters in the subject line because the messages get deleted from the system and that goes for the studio email too. Mm. So I... I think it's okay if they're in the body of the emails. Yeah, but not in the but subject line. not in line. the subject line. So yeah, where no. you might write in and you might go sick tree or something like that, don't put your smiley face in there. The system doesn't <laughs> like it. The things we have to say. <laughs> the things we do. Well, you wouldn't yeah. have had this 10 years ago, no, would yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. emails were so funny. not heard of for a, a radio show, were they? Probably not, but uh, they've been, you know, fairly prevalent. In it for the last number of years, that's for sure. Mm. Now, shall I go on? Oh, do you want to go to a break? Uh, we can go to a break. Back shortly. Radio. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. And yay, we do have a winner for our competition. We do have a winner. So thanks for playing with us. And uh, my question was, what type of plants would you be growing if you had gold dusted, ruby dusted or diamond dusted varieties? And the answer is... Fakara, <laughs> I'll leave it up to you. Ray. Day daylilies. Day See, lilies. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, oh well, John makes up all these questions, and he, as I said before, he's a very hard taskmaster. <laughs> so, we will be sending a seventy-five dollar gift voucher, compliments of bigger trees in Pickering Brook, and we'll have more details of the winner shortly. And uh, our good buddy Bruce Larson sent me an email this morning. Sent us both an email, and and he wants us to know that he's at the. Gerbra Show today. Now that's at the Hammersley Leisure Centre, which is Belvedere Road, Hammersley, between 10am and 3pm. And he will be selling and chatting about orchids at the Gerbra Show today. So that's Bruce Larson. He is uh, definitely an orchid expert. He certainly is. And uh, if you want to get along to the Gerber Show today and catch up with Bruce, he will be there. That's at the Hammersley Leisure Centre, Belvedere Road, Hammersley, 10am to 3pm. And we could um, up upgrade our regular segment of what's on to what what's off and when's it on again. <laughs> so the Lansdale Farm School were having a plant sale last I, weekend. I thought about them. So what mm. happened? So I contacted Dave and yeah. he said, funny about that because we had a meeting today and I was going to contact you to let you know it's been rescheduled until the 29th of May. Okay, so we'll remind people mm. as we get closer, closer to, to the dates. The oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, uh, an email has just come in from Big 
Vicky with the title Boring. Is she referring to us? <laughs> no, not at all, Ray. As if. She says, love your program. She says, morning girls, just wondering if you could provide me with an idea adding a bit of interest to my potted garden. I have a large area of potted plants at the edge of a patio so I can so they get plenty of filtered light, but I find the arrangement a bit boring. Wondered how I could add something to give give it a bit more point of interest or give it some focus. Excellent. I, I love questions like this. Yes. Um, arranging pots, you know, pots can look cluttered and boring. Can, so can. if I'm tidying up a garden, I'll move all those potted plants and kind of put them together. I will rearrange them, maybe repot them so that all the pots are the same. So I love that they're all terracotta. Mm. And, you you know, they could be grouped. So a plant stand or tiers. Um, recently we had some cocos palms lopped and I had the tree lopper cut the trunk into blocks of different heights. So And so you what know, have you done with those? Well, I yesterday added a couple to an entrance to the native garden. I found a couple of logs and dragged them over, so that made the border. And I've put these two cocos palm trunks at the entrance on either side. I now need some more <laughs> pots, um, something that adds an entrance to a native garden. So I'm thinking low bowls filled with native annuals, brachycomb, everlasting kangaroo pool, something that signals the entrance to a native garden. But yeah. getting back to Vicky, yes. um, adding some foliage colour. So, yeah, you know, she might like to go out and buy some more plants. So mm. the happy plants, Dracaegia, Dracaena, mm. um, that have different coloured foliage. So a, a wider leaf with a yellow stripe running through it. Mm. Cord lines of which there are many Very types. Very colourful. So you could get pink or burgundy. Yes. Um, Oh, there's so many accents in foliage colour. The creams, the pinks, the reds, different foliage types. Yeah, and it's playing with those colours, isn't mm. it? So she's got a dracaena here in the front that that is lighter in colour. She's got an aspidistra. Now, Vicky, what I would do is pull the pots out one at a time. I would check the pots. Some of them might need potting on going up to the next size pot. They might need extra potting mix. Um uh, a drink of a seaweed or something like that, some slow-release fertiliser, so giving each and every one some love and removing the daggy leaves. So yeah. there's an aspidistra, which I gather is probably quite tight in a pot, and I know mm. the, this can be a big job to pot on, but getting in there and either dividing it, so if you've got an entrance to something, two of the same plants one on either side, yeah. looks stunning. Always. Yeah. Often in a garden, buying numbers, so three, five, seven, so your garden doesn't mm. look like a museum. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, contrasting and adding variety. And I love she's got a fl flamingo in there too. Yeah, I saw that. So Gorgeous. you can get a dramatic effect by having all low plants. So you might have a lot of low border plants and they might be all the same, like Mondo grass mm. in a series of terracotta pots mm. around mm. the front border and then layering them up. So And, and yeah, create, play, creating some height at the back. Playing with them. But give mm. each and every one of those 
plants some love and they will reward you. I lugged out all my indoor pots the other night when we were having that Mm. rain. And what I really observed, I walked back into the house and I thought, oh, this house is stark. It's empty. It's sterile. It's just nothing without my plants in it. Mm. And it's just not a home. And I just thought I very rarely sort of have them all out at once, if you like. And I thought, oh, it just... The difference that indoor plants make in your home space, for me personally, uh, is just amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's just so my house is empty and barren at the moment because oh. they've been sitting outside getting a bit of light, a bit of rain. I'm going to do something to them when I get home this afternoon. And then, you know, I'll put them back inside because it's a bit of a shock taking them from out, inside to outside. I, I'm, I'm aware of that. But it was such a lovely day yesterday. They seem to enjoy that oh. sun. Well, we all did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. It was just the perfect temperature, around 20. Okay, our competition winner was Zena Lamb of Secret Harbour. Thanks, Zena. You'll enjoy that voucher. We'll get that into the mail uh, to you this week. And, uh, yeah, let us know, if you can, what you end up doing with it. Love to know. Mm. Okay, 94841927. We are chatting with... Joe Bustle, the compost queen at five past nine. Looking forward to having a chat with her. Very, very interesting conversation. And of course, it's uh, in honour of the International Compost Awareness Week. Curtain Radio. Nine minutes to nine. We have time for a song. What do you say about that before the nine o'clock news? Would, Would you, you like that? The, the first hour is often quiet Ray and um, we have to work towards nine o'clock so yeah let's let's take a little break and give people time to think about their questions before they call us fabulous we hope you enjoyed that and we're dedicating that to chili thrip attacking everyone's roses we're only joking that was John's suggestion Uh, on behalf of everyone losing or battling with their roses right now we will get through this don't get too drastic about it we will get through the chili through we're getting too silly Ray yeah (laughs) that can happen all right we're in North Yonder up good morning Prue oh hi guys um I have a question about anthurium lilies I've got three uh, three pots and they really need splitting up I think can I put them out in the garden? And if so, I have a position either morning sun or late afternoon sun. Uh, in summertime, the afternoon sun will be quite intense. Yeah, morning um, sun. Mm, morning sun. sun. They can go outside. Mm. I tend to think They're they might be better, mm. better staying in pots. But I know someone in uh, Safety Bay area that is growing them outdoors very well. But I'm pretty sure they are in pots because you've got better control of them. Mm. Now, I might actually get John to look this up because he's sitting out there and um, I, I've i got a couple growing in my shade house. But let's get to the bottom of what is the best way to manage them and come back to you on that, Prue. Okay. Um, just quickly, though, if, when you say the best kept in pots, are you saying that they will... They'll go crazy, rampant. Oh, no, no. no. I'm more thinking that they would go backwards. So if you put them out Uh and you found that they they got too wet or they got too much shade or they got too sunburnt, then you have the opportunity to move them without disturbing them. But I'm pretty sure they like to be fairly root-bound and so you don't overpot them. And I, I I don't know about splitting them up. So let's see what John comes up with. Okay, now the other thing, if I may ask, I've got some, 
Do they like a lot of water or do they like not so much water? Because I've got some, the leaves are going brown, which to me indicates perhaps overwatering, but I don't water them that much at all. Um, maybe once a fortnight or something like that, you know. Well, um, it, it will depend on temperature and location. And okay. also, I'm pretty sure that they were doing fairly well if they were in a pot inside another pot. So they have oh. access to water without being waterlogged. You know, yes. a bit like orchids? Yes. So, yes. yeah, yes. I, I'd rather get John to follow up what he can. I've got a couple growing in my shade house um, and they're, you know, they're hanging in there, but they'll do yes. exceptionally well in a hot house. And that's the other thing. They're not going to thrive in extreme cold Oops. conditions. Yeah. Mm. No, okay. Yeah, no, that's... that's I can see, understand all of that now. Mm. Okay, so they're on the patio on the uh, morning sun, they'd probably enjoy that. They'd love it. Yes. Okay, gotcha. All right, that's lovely. I look forward to John's feedback. All right, thanks, Thanks, Prue. Thank you. Cheers for that. Okay, now we had an email come in. Uh, Yes, we've had a couple come in. Well, let's do this one. Kerry in Coogee sent us in a photo of some bulbs uh, please identify and explain what to do with it. Well, the photo appears to be a very large bulb because it's been taken on a brick, on mm. brick paving, and you know what size a, a paving brick is, so that indicates it's a very large bulb. Mm. Now, it's pushing up what looks to be shoots that mm. are pinkish in colour, and being that it is a very large bowl, I'm suspecting that this is one of the naked ladies. <laughs> very appropriate for today. Now, very very hard to identify a picture of a bulb, right? Well, yeah, you but knowing tell, what tell the size signs. is mm, and mm. the fact that it's pushing up something that appears yeah. to be pink okay. makes me think it's pushing up pink flowers before foliage because if it was uh, green, then it's pushing up leaves. Mm. But the thing about the naked ladies are that they flower before the leaves develop mm-hmm. and the bulb is very large. So it's my educated guess. He's a and, naked lady. Yes, and Kerry will be following up when they flower. So yes. all she has to do is pot them uh, either in a pot or in the ground and just wait for them to flower and Observe. then she will give us some more feedback as to whether I was right or not. Okay, perfect. All right, well, we will be going to the 9 o'clock News uh, 94841927 and at just after the news we're chatting with Joe Bustle uh, about the International Compost Awareness Week and uh, why composting our waste is so important. 15.3 degrees right now and we're heading for a mostly sunny day with a maximum of 22 and tomorrow the minimum overnight will be 8, maximum 23 again mostly sunny and for Monday the minimum will be 9, partly cloudy and a maximum of 23. So we're really just starting to experience some autumn weather, aren't we? I know. It was quite cool out there yesterday. Yeah, it, yeah. there was a nip. There was a nip about. And our total rainfall uh, for April uh, finished at 40.6 mils, which is absolutely fabulous. The 10-year average is 33.4 mils. So we did finish with a nice drop for April, 40.6 mils of rain. Happy days. Okay. Shall we go straight out to the lines, Faye Yes, Caro? good idea. Okay. We're in Atterdale. Trish, good morning. Oh, good morning to you. 
Yes, I have a problem with uh, an ornamental pear tree. Well, I've, I've got a number of them down the driveway, about eight down the driveway, I think. But uh, one of them is quite big and it's starting to push up the limestone driveway, badly cracking it. Now, I've seen, found a roof that's about six inches in diameter that's running out underneath the driveway. Um, I'm just wondering, should I get someone in to cut that root? And would it destroy the the ornamental pear tree or what do you advise me to do? Oh, it's a big job, Trish, and it's not... It's not going to go away. So you can have a, you can have one root, yeah, but it will come back. Well, and mm. also, yeah, without looking at it, it's hard to note. That is a big root and it's stabilising the tree. So, mm. you know, if you cut that one, will you have to do it to more? Like the problem is likely to continue. Uh, I, I think it really is a case of getting a qualified arborist in yeah. to assess and manage the trees if you're going to keep them or or how they're to be managed. Do they have a history of um, big roots, you know, invasive roots? Uh, it's hard to say. How big are the trees now? Oh, um, uh, oh, pretty, uh, oh, pretty big. Um, see with, I don't know, um, 10 metres? Yeah. Right. Well, and, and do you know what type of ornamental pear they are? No, no. Um, they're starting to drop their leaves now and they yeah. have the flower on it. Actually, one of them got a bit confused and it dropped his leaves about a month ago yeah. and almost finished flowering, but the others are just starting to drop their leaves now. Mm. Mm. Uh, big, you know, big trees mm. are going to have big roots yeah. and, you know, were they the right choice for that location and what what is the future? So, you know, there's a whole lot of things to consider with those trees. So how do I find a good arborist then? Um, the, um, there are registered arborists. There's an arbor, arbor centre. That would be a good place to look. We've had an arborist on the show before, Michael Byrne. Um, but, yes, look look up the Arbor Centre and find someone qualified. Registered. Ask around, get some quotes. Um, if any of our listeners can recommend someone for the Adderdale area, that would be helpful too. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, thank you for your advice. Yeah, Good nice. luck, Good Trish. Luck. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, okay. Trish. Cheers for that. Okay. Now, uh, as promised, we do have Joe Bustle online for our current. Lovely. Okay. Let's go. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Joe. How are you today? I'm really good. good. Now, I don't know if you know what day it is. I know it's International Compost Awareness Week coming up, but today's Naked Gardening Day, too. Oh, is it really? It's an interesting combination, really, isn't it? Just a warning in case you're um, heading to Facebook today. (laughs) One that's not really on my radar. (laughs) No, I know. We we try and keep across everything here. (laughs) Uh, So you, you are the queen of compost, I've been told, and you're going to share with us some words of wisdom. Yes, I'm very passionate about composting and I guess I come from a place of it's a solution 
um, that we can all individually do to make a difference to the current issues on the planet, yeah. such as you know um, climate change. And um, but also it's enabling to create that beautiful soil that we want to effectively grow plants in our in our region, which is on the largest sand bank on the planet. You know, <laughs> so this is a, a dual purpose um, tool. And I guess the main, re- you know, one of the main reasons that um, I created Urban Revolution to you know to um, get this message out was because I. Um, if we, uh, it was that realization that if we all um, do not put organic matter into landfill and instead put it into our soil, we can actually sequest carbon from out of the atmosphere. And the way that this works is when we put organic matter into landfill, it goes into um, it's a, a it's a um, anaerobic environment, which means it doesn't have air. It's pretty much a vacuum. And the microbes that live in that environment turn out organic in the process of um, you know, decomposing this organic matter. They produce methane and carbon dioxide. Now, both of those are greenhouse gases. And um, when carbon dioxide goes up into the atmosphere, it will be there for about 100 years. Methane, about 10 but the issue with methane is that its um, heating effect is about, you know, you hear different values, but about, you know, between 25 and 32 times worse than CO2. Um, so instead of doing that, we just totally take away our input into that problem. And instead, what we can do is create soil that actually solves this issue because there's only really two ways that we can bring carbon back onto the planet to sequester it. And that is via plants um, and, you know, and the decomposition of, of um, organic matter or via our oceans, via the phytoplankton, which are struggling because of the carbonic acid in the ocean. But this is something that we can do and have a lot of control of and actually do something that is going to make a positive change that is outside of local, state or federal government um, and we are in control of this, and it's you know it makes a difference. But we also create this most beautiful soil. When we create this this compost soil, it has a molecule created, which is called the humus molecule. And the humus molecule is the most stable molecule on the planet. It um, is mainly comprised of carbon, it's minerals, water, um, and it's pretty much the glue of the soil on our planet um, and which, as we all know, through deforestation, you know, mining, all many things that have occurred, monoculture planting, we have depleted this humus-based soil on our planet. So we can create this in our own backyard from our, our, our waste um, and it's something to spread, to shout from the top of the mountains that mm. this is a solution that we can do. So I guess for a lot of homes, we have a lot of different scales. So from a large family to one or two people living in an apartment with little space, do you have a one-size-fits-all answer to this? There is. Oh. Um, there, you know, and so there's many solutions. And the first way to look at it is exactly what you're talking about. You look at, for example, you, you first of all also look at the waste you're creating 
and and you look at the, each of that waste and you look at the best solution for that waste. And if you live in, let's start, say you're in a balcony and you've got no soil, um, you would, you know, like for example, your plastics go to recycle, your, you know, your, your cardboard and, you know, goes into the yellow bin. Um, but your organic waste from your food cooking can go into a Bakashi system. Mm. And a Bakashi system uses um, microbes, which are all around us. They're the, um, predominantly the lactobacillus microbe, whose role on the planet is to break apart molecular bonds, and it does it in an anaerobic and an aerobic situation. The Bakashi is an anaerobic um, process. It utilises um, fermentation process using these microbes. And what we do is we put all of our food in it. It can be uh, egg, from eggshells to bones to fish to um, onion peel, you know, citrus, all the hard stuff. And that's why it also suits any household on any situation because it takes all of the inputs other composting solutions can't take. You know, especially when you're doing the aerobic, which is air. They, you know, none of these systems like fat. You can put oil in the in the bakashi. And if you are in a um, a situation where you have, because um, the outputs of the bakashi is a mass of, um, you know, a gloopy gloppy mess, but also um, a fertilizer. And that gloopy gloppy mess, when you understand what's in it, it's gold. Mm. So if you're in a balcony, you either give it to someone who actually has soil. And when you educate them on what's in it, they will be very, very happy to have it. Um, and Or there's this fabulous app in um, that we can use in Perth called um, Share Waste app. And it's a fabulous way of also creating community because what you do, you have a choice. You can either put yourself on as a supplier of waste or a receiver of waste. And so it connects you and you can, and it comes up with who wants your, you know, your Bakashi waste and um, you can disconnect with them and, and, and organise where, you know, and go and see them and deliver the, the gold. <laughs> so, so talk us through, because I've got compost, a compost bay, a compost bin, a compost tumbler, a worm farm. I haven't done Bakashi, but I keep my food scraps every day. So... How how does the how do Bakashi work? Mm. Or, you know, how do you start? With the Bakashi? Yes. So the Bakashi system, at Urban Revolution, we sell all these you know, composting systems. Ah. Um, the Bakashi system is um, you start with a bucket. The, the equipment looks like it has a reservoir where the food sits on. Um, and then you um, – so with the bucket, it's got a tap. Um, and you, you siphon juice out when you want to. It's an amazing drain cleaner when you don't dilute it because it's a very highly acidic mass. So you can put it neat down your drains because it will just any all those microbes that just land on any fats or um, plants wow. or anything that's growing. It's yeah, great for septic systems. This is a tool. This is a tool for our way forward. It's what you you know we've got to start thinking of systems at home that are going to enable us to individually look after all of the waste, not put anything right in the bin. Mm. So the Bakashi, all you do is you just can pretty much empty your plate into it, and then. When it's about, you know, as, as you go up about every inch, it's ideal to um, put some of this bran in. And what's in the bran is um, molasses, some um, wheat bran, which holds, which the microbes are in. Um, and the molasses is their simple food. 
when you actually put it into this bin, they multiply massively. So what we're doing is utilising this workforce to break it down very quickly in this perfect condition for them. It's got an airtight lid, and as we fill it up, we take the air out of it. Um, it if you, it smells like kimchi or sauerkraut okay. because yep. it is fermentation. Um, as soon as it doesn't sound, smell like that, the way you fix it, is very simple. You just put more of the bran in, squish out the air, give it a really good turn to make sure that all of that, you know, bran is amongst it. The head spaces is getting those microbes amongst that waste to quickly break it down. Once it's broken down, well, once you've filled up that bin, it's generally a two-bin system because we're human. We don't want to stop the process. So we fill up one, we put it aside, we start work on the second one. When the second one's nearly full, we take the first one, we dig a hole and we bury that mass. Um, and then we leave that mass in there for about um, three to four weeks before we plant on top of it. And the reason for that is that it is acidic. You know, um, so we need to allow the microbial life and worms and the other insects that come into this soil because as soon as they have that organic mass there, they'll be into this and then it'll become a beautiful neutral pH so it is wonderful to put in your veggie garden because you're going to have a soil that is full of life and it will come down into a humus based um, molecule so the the juice that comes out is that a liquid fertilizer absolutely and so and yeah so that's the output so you've got that beautiful mass to create soil with and then you have an ongoing fertiliser that you can just keep taking. And the fertiliser, again, because it's highly acidic, we want to do a massive dilution. And we in, in our store, we generally tell everyone 20 ml to a 9 litre watering can. It's, okay. a, it's, a, you know, it's a good mix. It's that diluted it's, that you want it. Uh, but what you're putting in there is a heap of microbial life and nutrients that have been broken down from the fermentation process now so I can't in minerals yeah I can't help but think back to our conversation with Alan from Earthwell who I know is a good friend of yours as well and yes. and we were talking with her and Kathy about uh, potential um, problems with the chili thrip on roses and we learnt then about this lactobacillus serum so the fact that it's got molasses in the bran I'm thinking yeah. that not only is it a fertilizer, but it may provide some some benefits to people's roses at the moment that are experiencing problems with the chili thrip. Okay, I mean, very possibly. You know, I don't have a direct answer for that, but very mm. possibly. You know, um, I mean, the thing is, is that you know they also say. Um, you, know, you know, and also you know from um, experience, the better your soil is. Um, you know, with that biodiversity of input. And this is another awesome thing about composting. You know what's gone into your soil. You know that biodiversity. Um, and the more biodiverse, the more various microbe, microbes are, will come. And we want that diversity because various microbes, as Ellen would have informed you, break down, you know, um, you know various minerals and bring it to the plant, to the plant's roots for, and then they get into a form that is, a um, 
you know, it's the plants are able to uptake that into their into their systems. Mm. And Joe, you do workshops. We yeah, at Urban Revolution, we do composting workshops. Um, it's a um, we it, we call it you know we've it's it covers all the various types of composting. So it covers from bakashi to worm farms to worm towers to cold composting to the hot composting. Mm. And we also like I've written a um, urban composting guidebook, and that comes free. And that is a comprehensive amount of information on how to do this and refer to. And it has all of the what not to put in, what to put in, um, reference material that, you know, everyone, you know, you, it, it is a process. And, um, and yeah, so that is the, the benefit of doing the, the, the composting course. Okay, so if listeners would like to learn more and get in contact with you, Joe, how, how do they go about that? Okay, so we have a um, Urban Revolution is an also an online store. So our website is urbanrevolution.com.au. Urbanrevolution.com.au. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we also, you know, we're on Facebook and Instagram. We have a lot of free advice on that web, on that website. Right. Um, we, you know, that you can, you know, for across from gardening to cleaning to personal items to, you know, all things like our whole business is about selecting products with consciousness for the planet. Joe, it is so such a big back. Yeah. It's such a big yeah. subject. We would love to get you in the studio one day in the next few weeks um, to talk more about it. But thank you very much for your time today. It's been inspiring and I'm going to have a crack at that Bakashi. Yeah, me too. <laughs> thank <Awesome>. you very much. <laughs> See you later. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Joe. Bye. And she's so passionate. She and, is. Uh, I think it's a calling. Yeah, mm. uh, absolutely. And I think it's the way forward. And uh, she's no slouch. You know, Joe is, you know, a former engineer. Uh, I was just having a little bit of a read while she was talking to me. And uh, she's come from an interesting background uh, to be uh, working in this in this in this forum, if you like. And uh, she she knows her stuff. She knows what she's talking about. Clearly, obviously. All right. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Back in a moment. Twenty six minutes after nine, George Minoldi will be joining you at ten o'clock for the classic sixties. Uh, Maggie of Mandra phoned in, and she got referring back to the identification of a large bulb. She's suggesting it could be a, a candelabra lily. The bulbs are about the size of a rock melon. Mm. I don't know if it was that big, but well. They've got to start somewhere, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Time now, will tell. have this fabulous picture that John pulled off the internet of uh, Linda Michener from Green Life Soil Co., her and her hubby, and it's very tastefully done, and these guys are in good shape, I'm telling you. <laughs> She's holding an aspidistra in front of her, and he's holding a bottle of, bottle, a bag of pat- potting mix, you know, just to cover, you know, just to be discreet, and... Uh, it says World Naked Gardening Day because sometimes all you need in your garden is great soil. Okay, very <laughs> clever marketing, but it's, great that's photo. Beautiful. And they just, they just look so natural. They do. <clears throat> I actually they could do. vision those two gardening nude just as that's who they are. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Stop it. <laughs> We're in Belga. Grace, good morning. Hi, Grace. Oh, good morning, girls. Um, I've got a pineapple which is fruiting. But from the base of the actual fruit, I've got two pups growing. Oh, that's and lovely. And I'm wondering if I should 
pull them off or leave them until the fruit ripens. Uh, right. What size is the pineapple? Oh, probably about six inches. Okay. It, it won't that's... ripen until about September or October. We've grown lots. but Right. But I've never had pups come out from the base of the fruit. They've always come from between the leaves on the plant after the fruit is picked. Mm. That's an interesting one. I, I don't know if there is actually a right time. Uh, certainly you can take them off and and pot them up. I I think I would tend to wait until you pick the pineapple uh, simply okay. because you yes. don't you don't want to muck up what what's happening and slow it down and compromise the fruit itself so I don't think there'd be any harm leaving it there for now and it was interesting I had a pineapple ripen would you believe in Jandicott in winter a few years ago it was the sweetest okay. pineapple I'd ever tasted so you may not have to wait until September no, we'll we'll wait. It's just usually they ripen about mm. then. Yeah, lovely. Oh, good, good yeah. story. Well done. Okay, so I'll just leave it and see. I just didn't know if the pups might be taking from the actual fruit, or um, if I might damage the fruit by taking them off. Well, that would be my concern. That's why I yeah. would just leave leave it. Um, keep feeding it. Keep it in the warmest position you have, and. Yes. To, you know, harvest and divide all at the same time. Okay, thank you. All right, you're welcome, Grace. Right. Okay, thanks for that. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Okay. Right. Now, I, I'm pretty sure we answered this one last week. It was from Maureen, and she sent in a photo of a Jap pumpkin which is growing, but she'd actually planted cucumbers, she yeah. said. So that yeah. was interesting. So um, good luck. I hope it will will fill out and ripen before it gets too cold or before the vine dies down in the winter. So, yep, looks like a Jap pumpkin anyway. So not a bad result. And uh, you'd certainly probably get more out of a pumpkin. Than cucumbers. If, if you only got one <laughs> cucumber, yep, yep. Yeah, so I, lo I love a surprise. Now, oh, we've, we're still getting emails about the gall wasp um, from Fran in Atwell. Pictures of the... Clementine tree that's in a pot. We're worried that it has a bug that attacks citrus and needs suggestions. So, yes, Fran, you have a swelling on the stem and it is citrus gall wasp. Now is the time for everyone to get out and look for swellings on their stems of their citrus and cut them out if possible. Now, we did have an email last week that the, the lots of lemons, uh, which is a small citrus, was in a pot and if all of the galls were cut out, they would lose the plant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what what my suggestion would be is a way of trapping the galls in the stem, removing what you can, but covering the stem, maybe even with like a masking tape or, or some sort of horticultural tape that physically stops anything from leaving that area. So you want to inhibit the wasp hatching out, mm. so creating a physical barrier. Mm. That's the best thing you can do, otherwise you lose the plant. And I know people have lost plants and mm. have 
almost given up on some things, along with uh, the chili thrip. So yeah. we've just received another email about the chili thrip. Uh, this is from Michael. He said, despite trying all sorts of chemicals and green sprays, none of them seem to have made any difference. What do you think is the answer? If it cannot be stopped, the only answer is to dig them out. I have 60 plus roses. And, you know, it's it's a horrid thing. People have lost rose bushes already. I know. Uh, we know that it's important to leave some leaf on there because this is how plants survive. They mm. photosynthesize mm. through their leaves. Mm. So... In winter time, they'll lose all their leaves, but mm. it's not winter yet. No. So, don't. I I think, and remembering, depending on who you are, you will have different opinions. Mm. Like I said, four years ago, we had the potato tomato salad, and that now we hardly hear of it. The predators have sprung into action, and the natural balance has kind of re- reached an equilibrium. I believe this will happen to the chili thrips too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Knowing what we know, it will slow down its cycle from about a two-week turnaround to 30 days or more. And through the winter, combined with rain and cold, cold. yeah, it, it might just knock itself out. So you've just got to buy that time between now and winter. Mm-hmm. We know it doesn't like moist environments. So giving your plants a spray mm. so they're wet, um, the thrip is tiny. So mm. if if you are using any sorts of sprays, you know, unless you're going to get every little nook and cranny, remember it's going to harbour in the tiniest little crack or under a leaf it's going to be very hard for you to reach all of those spots with anything. And even if you do, what about the other plants that it's on? Mm. It can still fly in. They jump. I was Mm. watching them the other day and there was just this tiniest little thing buzzing in front of my eyes and Mm. ending up from one rose petal to the left. So Mm. good luck. I personally like to encourage beneficial insects. Mm. That's my claim to fame. Mm. I think I've got at least a dozen different ladybirds and I've taken samples of some tiny little black, what I think are lady beetles, to the ag department for ID because they're too small for me to identify. Mm. The other day I found out I've actually got a scale stalking ladybird that lives on my native French panny tree. Mm-hmm. So they're out there. Yeah, they're, There are these good bugs out there and mm. let's just ride it out. Um, don't over prune. My go-to spray is Eco Oil because it also encourages good bugs coming in. The other chemical sprays are likely to inhibit the reproduction of our good guys. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Ray, you know, and mm-hmm. I tell other people, I actually sat down and wrote a letter to David Attenborough the other day. (laughs) I may mention this. I'm going to send photos of some of my rare finds in the garden. As everyone knows, I I love my bugs. And Mm. we we have a chance to turn things around, just like Joe wants to turn around the world with compost and saving green waste from bins. Let's take a step back and and realise we're not the only things on this planet. Mm. Let's think about our future and let's let's just watch a little bit more, observe nature and let's see what happens. Mm.
Can we do that? We can do that. Good. Absolutely. Good. And the, the Chili Thrip saga will be continued. Yeah. Um, just hang in there. Yeah. The, the, the weather is going to be on our side. The cold is your friend in this case. Indeed. The cold and the wet. Yeah, and I'd hate to see that fellow pull out 60 roses. Yeah. Just yeah, just hold off. Pretty I extreme. think yeah. Mm. Do, you know, every week we ask our gardening friends to be patient. Yeah. And this we is all a have to be patient. This is this. a biggie. It is a biggie. Yeah. It is a biggie. And Coral uh, of Forestfield phoned in and she follows the same compost procedures that Joe just talked about very successfully. So there you go. That's a nice testimonial uh, for uh, our listeners out there that are already following these these types of. Of procedures mm. of which uh, we're very keen to learn more about. Uh, and Wendy uh, in Bellagura wants to comment on Rose's success. I hope that's what she means. <laughs> <laughs> success could mean something else. Yes. Wendy, good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, I spoke to you a couple of few weeks ago about you know the the chili syrup on my roses. Yes. And it was it was actually so bad that I eventually did cut them down by about almost well, a third, I'd say. Yeah. And I did take all the leaves off and I sprayed it straight away with neem oil. Right. And um, I sprayed, I've sprayed them every week with neem oil and they've come back beautifully. Oh, that's fantastic, um, Wendy. The, the new leaves, they still don't look 100%. Mm. But the, the buds that are coming up look okay because they were all shriveled and horrible before. Yes. So I found the neem oil was, was really good and I've just, you know, I've just kept spraying them every, every week with neem oil. Well, that, that's good to hear. And, yeah, with the cooler weather... It, the the roses have more of a chance to yeah. to pick up. I actually took in some samples of roses to the ag department this week, so I'm waiting to hear what they find on them. I, I think I found a couple of eggs on there as well, so okay. not sure. Hope, hoping that there could be some good guys around that you know perhaps we haven't discovered before. That are yeah. chowing down. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I, I heard, uh, I think it was last week, you're saying that it's, it's a good idea to plant uh, marigolds around yes. the as well. Yes. Okay, well, that sounds like a good idea. Marigolds, uh, alisum, salvias, you know, these are all good companion plants. I know, yeah. although when I say that, I hear the some of the rose specialists in the background going, no, you know, roses don't like any competition, don't put anything around them, but I, I like the pretty well, things then. and... Yeah, they like reasons. gerberas as well. <laughs> yes, they do like gerberas. Mm. Mm. But I uh, just sort of, you know, so, uh, so far it looks as though I have had pretty much uh, a good outcome. That's good. Um, so I'm, I'm, I literally go and check them every single day. Yeah. And then just spray them once a week. How many roses so do you have, Wendy? Um, about 16, I think. Yes. Okay. So mm. that's yep. that's a good so, sample. Mm. Yep. And, t- and take so. out a magnifying glass out too and peel back the petals and just have a look because... Although they're very tiny, you're just looking for a dot, and then mm. and mm. then that dot will move. And if you've got a magnifying glass, you can get an idea of the shape and how it moves. But these little okay. thrips the other day, they were jumping, they were flying, and okay. they were running. Like little really, things. <laughs> yes, yes. And so they move so freely, and that's why, okay. you know, you, you know, we who are we to think that we we could spray one thing and they won't be coming in from everywhere else? Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm just l- really literally waiting to see how the buds develop, 
at the moment yeah. they look good. Yeah. Um, but I'm, you know, I won't sort of say they're a hundred percent until they actually get bigger and and uh, open. Yeah, exactly. But, um, and I think so far they do look better. Yeah. And buying that time till next spring, you know, coming out of winter. Yeah. Uh, they, they'll probably be off to a really fantastic start too. I hope so. Yeah, mm. I hope so. Hang yeah. in there. All Thanks, right, Wendy. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Cheers for that. Bye. All right, we're heading to Karima. We're talking about a moonflower. Teresa, hello. Hello. Good morning to you both. Good morning. morning. I, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. My moonflower has got a huge big shoot on that's going past the roof. Now, do I cut that off? People say, no, you don't cut it off, you leave it. But do I cut it off? It's huge. Moonflowers in the cactus. Is that what you call it? The one oh. that comes out at night and dies in the morning? Yes, mm. yes. yes. Um, why, yes. Why, why would you yeah. cut it off? Well, I didn't know whether that was taking the goodness from the plant. Well, they're, they're, in a, they're in a plant pot. So it's, is it a vine? Well... They're, they're like a creeper. They're a cactus, and they're oh, epiphytic. Okay. So they will oh. they will climb, and they will oh, branch. Okay. So oh, okay. the bigger the plant, the more flowers that you would expect to have. So unless oh, okay. you know you were pruning it for aesthetics, you didn't want it to go that high. Um, you're in control because it's in oh, a pot. Okay. So. Where do you want it to go? Oh, okay. I didn't know because you get so many people say, well, you do this and you do that. And I thought, well, I'll ask you. <laughs> but why? I just wonder why they would cut it. Yeah, because it's so short-lived. Is it? Well, I've had mine the a flower, few years The flower now. is short-lived. Oh, yeah, the flower. Yeah. yeah but it's, what it is, it's a great big shoot with, like, two leaves at the top. That's, you know, not got a lot of leaves on. It's not got, like, two leaves on the top. Know what I mean? Not, I'm not too sure, Teresa. If there's any chance you could send us a flower, a, a photo, um, un, unless it was, you know, too gangly and you didn't like the look of it, or it was growing and going to sort of go up over your roof and into your gutters or something, I can't imagine why yeah. you would cut it. Okay, as long as I know that, I'll um, put. But a I don't know if they're seeing something I can't. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll try and send you a photo. Thank you. Thanks, so you Teresa. Do I, do just do email it to... Yes. Who do I send it to? Just Yes, I'll put you back to Bev and they'll give you the email. Thank you. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you. Bye, Bye for now. Okay, when we return, we're chatting with Margaret about compost. Curtain Radio. Thanks for your company this morning. I hope you've been enjoying the program thus far. We're heading to Mundaring. Hi, Margaret. Good morning. Good morning, girls. Morning. Now, this composting. Yes. A few weeks ago, you had um, a discussion about um, creating compost with a bucket with lots of holes in it. And I was just wondering, is um, this can, can this system be used in conjunction with the Pakashi that Joe was talking about this morning? Hmm. Well, yes, in some ways. I I certainly think that the when you empty the bakashi bucket, you could take that out and put it in the 
bucket bucket. in your garden with the holes in it. But the Bokashi itself is a neat-looking contained system Mm. that would sit in your kitchen and Mm. I imagine not give off any smells like sometimes our compost might do but sitting around Mm. and yeah so it would it would stay in the kitchen Margaret it's a small bucket or bin system with a tap on it completely sealed from what I can gather and and will take your daily waste fantastic Mm. yeah it is I haven't had time yet, but I'll get onto her website this afternoon. Yeah, no, I think it'll be interesting reading, Mark. Because I, I spoke to Joe last night and, and realised that, you know, I've got all these large... Oh, John's just slipped me a brochure. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I don't, where has this come from? He's just slipped me a brochure um, from Urban Revolution. So I don't know if that's been dropped in or, or probably John had it already. Oh, I'm sounds guessing. like he does. Um, mm, he's been there. Yeah, mm. so the the benefits are compost all kitchen waste hygienically and without unpleasant odours, conveniently stored indoors, no need to run outside oh. to the compost bin, keeps your kitchen bin fresher for longer as food waste is stored in your airtight bucket. Conventional composting can be a long, complicated process. Um, Bakashi composting is easy and rapid, occurring in a matter of weeks so the oh well yeah yeah, great it'll direct food waste away from landfill and no greenhouse gases that was a biggie you know the way joe talked about the carbon dioxide and the methane you know and this is a small step that we can all take to make a big huge difference difference. Mm -hmm. Mm. fantastic it is Mm. It's fantastic that uh, you, we can use both, you know, use the bucket in the ground as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, girls, very much for the, all the interesting information. You're welcome, Margaret. Thank <laughs> you. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Bye. Bye for Bye. now. And we do have about 13 minutes of the program to go, so we can squeeze in a couple of calls uh, if you have something you would like to ask us about or make have have some input about 94841927 and I know you've got some emails to mm. plough through as well. Well, Judy's sent through a disturbing email. She's been growing some beautiful Wonga Wonga vines which are mm. Pandoria and she has a very sick one. It's literally been just a week and seems to be on its way out. It, she had five on the fence. The variegated are good and slow growers. The two in the main photo of been taken out as they were devouring the house next door and were also becoming uncontrollable so she said you could literally sit and watch them grow but I have a finer leaf with the same flowers and suddenly it's dying she's given it a big dose of a seaweed and the ground is not dry the only only thing she could see was some small black spots on the new growth uh, and not much of them so she the photos she sent in are the vine is very wilted, withered. Yeah. Uh, the scale that I see there would not be enough to be detrimental to the whole plant. The fact it's sudden is a worry. I've got John to look it up as to what what the, their life might be, and it does say that their life is their lifespan is perennial. Um, hmm. You know, maybe maybe it's a root issue. Maybe there's disturbance. 
you know, I, I can't... many variables. I can't tell anything from the information and in the photos, um, but it does appear to be dying suddenly. Mm. And the only area that I could think to look now is the roots. Mm. Um, possibly, and what I would do since it appears to be dying anyway, is to cut it, cut it back to low down mm. in the hope that it might come back. Rejuvenate. Um, mm. It's very sad because they're it's, beautiful. It's yes, beautiful and and what a mess, mm. you know, to get all the dead vine out mm. of um, of the other creepers. So yeah, I'm I'm sorry I can't be more help. Um, I don't even think it's a neighbour issue if the other ones are doing okay. Mm. It's it can be a mystery as to why something died suddenly. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's head to Parkwood. We're talking about Sturt Peas. Neville, good morning. Yeah, g'day. How you going? Hi, oh, well, good, thanks, thank Neville. You. Yeah, look, I, my wife and I grow natives from seed, and uh, that's, uh, you know, black boys, kangaroo boys, and Sturt Peas. And we have plenty of luck with the others, but we're not having much luck with Sturt Peas. We get onto a, such a, we get onto a height in a... You know, you know, you know, you put them in one of them plastic things, and they the seeds, and they they grow shoots, and then then you put them in a bigger pot, and then you put them out bigger pot, and then you put them in the garden, and and they're quite large. You know, they, they were about, oh, I guess, the plants were quite sturdy. Um, they weren't shoots, and uh, I left one in a pot, and out in the back patio, and I left put the others in the garden, and they all died, mm. just like that. The mm. one in the pot. And the, 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 the three in the front garden just died. Oh, the one the one in the, the pot planet. on the back patio died as well. Yeah, that died too. It just they just it's almost as if somebody had poisoned them. They haven't because they haven't, mm. you know. But it's almost as if and they all did the the, the three out the front went exactly the same time. Um I've got them out with the Frangipanis and the and the and the natives like with with the with the kangaroo paws and all that. Mm. So I'm not. I'm not dosing them with liquid fertilizer or anything because I don't know what fertilizer to put on them anyway. Um, Are you but, watering uh, them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get bore water, but I, I thought it might have been the bore water killing them. But the the black boys and the and the kangaroo paws are thriving on it. So mm. I don't. I don't quite know. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm. I'm perplexed to. You know, I love native plants mm. and um, my wife and I get a lot of pleasure in, in raising them from seed mm. and we're, we're getting on in age and, and then to get them to such a height, you know, like they'd be, if the pot's four inches high uh, or four inches high, they'd be four inches above the pot, you know, they're, they're quite mm. established. And okay, just... well what, what I need to do for you Neville is find someone who does grow them successfully to talk about tips for growing them because, oh, they're amazing. And I was up, up near, coming back mm. through Carrathra a few years ago when they were just starting to flower at the end of July. Oh, my goodness, they're amazing. So what I, I think uh, is that they don't mind the cold overnight temperatures. Yep. Because now they, they get, get them it. up there. Uh, they would flower late winter early spring but our rain and watering might be something that they're they're not happy about did it did you losing them coincide with a rain event 
No, I, they didn't. I mean, the one on the back patio only gets watered by hand. Mm. And, and only, uh, I mean, we have the ball, but, but um, it, and just the ones we got on the back patio, like um, Bearded Iris and uh, Princess Lilies and and the like thereof, and just the ones that are in the pot, she just does by hand when she, when she notices them getting a bit dry. Mm. Um, and uh, these, oh, look, at the, years ago, look, the soil we got is that grey gutless sand. That you, oh, it's, it's got good drainage, Neville. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, look, <laughs> I, 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 I've done a lot of study into raising grass trees or black boys or mm. whatever you want to call them. I don't know their name now, but well, I've, I've put a lot of study into that. And and I really would like, and I agree with you, that there's, there's nothing more beautiful than 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 the stirp peas, but I've seen none around. I mean, you drive around, and I keep look at people's gardens, and I don't see any. Oh, look, they do come into the nurseries at certain times. I wouldn't put it out in the garden. I would enjoy it as a pot plant on my patio, I think. But what I'll do is I'll find someone who knows far more about growing them than mm. I do and get them on the show. Okay, Neville? I have some seamongers here, but I don't know whether that's going to hurt them or not. I don't know. Well, it sounds like it's too late. Oh, yeah, it is for them. Yes. How much water do you give them, Neville? Um, well, the, the boars on three times a week. Mm. Um, the um, Anne would water them in the back only when she sees that they're going dry, you know? Yeah, they don't like a lot of water. Uh, in the pot, she, she mm. just... Yeah, well, certain things mm. don't like... You don't... Mm. Bulbs, you don't overwater them either, you know? Mm. And... Um, yeah, anyway, I'll let you go. I've, been, I've taken up too much of your time. Thank you very okay. much. That's okay. Good we'll man. Thank to you. To be continued. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Cheers for that. Okay, when we return, we're chatting with Brian and John. Okay, just a few minutes left to go of Let's Talk Gardening. We're in Belmont. Brian, good morning. Good Hi, morning. Brian. Hi. How are you going? Very good. Uh, have, you, have you ever heard of webworm in lawns? Yes. We certainly have, and we talked about it with Eva last weekend. Um, I must have missed it. I heard you talk about Arnie worm. Are they related? Uh, well, they're both caterpillars. So the webworm uh, is evidenced by the little, little webs that you can see on the lawn in the morning when the dew sits on them. Okay. So because I, 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 I mow a few lawns, and, and I had a brand-new lawn laid down, and... Uh, they said not to mow it too low and fertilise it four times a year. Well, after the first... I mean, it looked lush and beautiful. It was easy, four inches high or more. Oh. And I've never seen a lawn so tall. That was so green. But anyway, I mowed it, which I thought wasn't too short. And I come back fortnight later and it looks dead. Ooh, yes. Yeah, so Absolutely. I mean, the whole yeah. lawn was totally brown. Oh. Um, I left it another two weeks. It was the same. I thought, well, I'll try a bit of fertiliser. I'll see what I can do. Just a light sprinkle of fertiliser. And then I went to the local reticulation centre and he said, mate, it's webworm. We never had it, what, three years ago? Mm. But it's everywhere now. And people, and it turns out that the lawn was being overwatered. Mm-hmm. You get the webworm mm. in there and it goes brown, so you keep watering it and you're actually spreading it. Yeah. Mm. And so now. And it moves very quickly. Mm. Oh, 
I've never, I've never seen it in my life. I've mm. been male line for many years now, and I've just, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. So um, what, what we learnt from Eva last weekend, Brian, is that you, you can leave it and the lawn will recover, but there is a product called Acelaprin, which is relatively harmless to everything other than the caterpillars, and Acelaprin. Acelaprin. A A C E L E P R Y N. A C E L A R. A C E L E P R Y N. We have to move on, Brian. All right, no worries. Thanks, Thanks for the call. Mate. Thank you. Cheers. And today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. Now, we do have one more question, if we're really quick. Uh, John, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Hi, John. You're the lucky last, and it's got to be a quick one. Okay. I have a a Nelly Kelly passion fruit, and it'll be about two and a half years old. But the only fruit we can get off a very, very small fruit, and I just wondered whether it needs pruning or... Yes, yes. Uh, what, what you need to do in springtime is cut it back by a third, feed it up. When you see the first flowers, give it a potassium fertiliser. Make sure it gets adequate moisture, mulch, and even a, a liquid spray over the leaves of a... Um, Fertiliser for flowering and fruiting plants will also give it a boost and that will kick it into its cycle for summer flowering and fruiting. Okay. Thank you very much, Les. You're welcome. Go well, John. Okay. Bye for now. Okay. Our work is done. It is. What a... An interesting show. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Bev and John. Uh, everyone, look, uh, it's been, yeah, a very interesting show. We will be back next Saturday. And we will be speaking to Ros Hart because it's fungi season with all those rains. Okay, wonderful. Take care, everybody. Happy gardening. Stay tuned for George Minoldi and the classic 60s. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.